This is the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast, and I'm Rebecca Hirsch, and this is our 28th episode. In this podcast, I ask people what they do when they unroll their yoga mat and tell you a little bit about what's going on on mine. If you have a question about your yoga practice or a suggestion for a guest, please email me at rebecca at homebodiesyoga.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at homebodiesyogapodcast. To find out more about each show, please go to our website homebodiesyoga.com. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And hello. Um, I just want to start out this podcast by being completely honest with you. Um, I am running a rerun today, which I'm actually kind of excited about because it means like I have enough content that I can do a rerun sometimes. Um, yeah, I'm like really actually kind of excited. It's, um, I'm rerunning the interview with Valerie Starr, which was all the way back in episode five. Um, just because I've been kind of, I've been thinking about that interview a lot lately and I don't know, I, I, I feel like if you didn't get a chance to hear it, if you started listening a little later, it'd be a good one for you to hear. Uh, also, and this is just to be totally honest about podcasting, it seems like in the summertime, uh, people are less available to interview like I think people are just busy which good for them like a hundred percent like that sounds great but it's been kind of difficult to find people who are available um and then the other side of that is like people aren't listening as much I think because they're busy and also like amen like go you go on your long hikes without a podcast you go drink your beer outside with your friends, you know, don't listen to me. We have all winter to talk. Um, so anyway, so it just seemed like it would make sense. I see why podcasts and TV shows and all things like that go on hiatus in the summer because it is just kind of hard to nail anyone down. Um, so it's a rerun day, which who doesn't love a rerun? Honestly, like, oh my gosh, like, can you like, how many reruns of Friends have you seen? I actually don't even really like that show, but you know the feeling of a rerun. Um, anyways, it's I've been thinking about Valerie Star a lot lately because it's like in Chicago right now, it is like really hot and really humid and really bright and really active. Like we actually live just above uh, the public pool. which So it's like music and like people talking and people swimming and just like, a, like kind of like above a pool party at all times, which is so fun. Um, but I feel like, you know, I don't know, like Ayurvedically speaking and just like logically speaking, like it's good to find balance. So because my days have been like at the playground or swimming or in the bright sun with Hudson and walking a lot and going a lot of places and like honestly um, being kind of glued to the news because all of all of the very sad things going on in Afghanistan and just like just I feel like my senses are constantly peaked in one way or another like either from being outside or from playing in the park or or from even just being around my house or from looking at my phone, like staring at what's going on in Afghanistan. So like, just like very sense, I'm very feeling very sensory overloaded. So my practice lately has been um, either I wake up really early, like 5.15, 5.30 and do a meditation and a yoga practice, like in the dark with the blinds closed, like while the, you know, while actually my husband gets up too, because he writes in the morning, but um, while the house is quiet, while Hudson is sleeping, um, I either practice then 
or if I don't get time to practice then and I practice during the day, um, I've been going up to my room, closing all the blinds so I'm in the dark, <laughs> putting in headphones so like I can't hear the fun at the pool and I can't hear whatever is going on in my house at that time. And just like really like allowing my senses to kind of take a break. Like sometimes I've even been closing my eyes. And it reminds me a lot, actually, of my conversation that I had with Kamiko, um, which I've mentioned before. I didn't already get a consult with her, um, but where she said, like, that I have very sensitive senses and, you know, I get, like, overstimulated. So the way to, you know, help that is to kind of, like, close the senses off when I can. And I just find it more restful in general. Like, I feel like my practice is just more fulfilling. My meditation practice is better um my yoga practice is better like it just and i feel like a sense of calm uh we are also potty training right now which like pardon my french but is a real <laughs> it's a real shit show man don't recommend it if you can get anyone else to potty train your kid you should get them to do it because it's not fun i'm not going to get into specifics because if you have a kid you've talked about it a lot already and if you don't have a kid you probably think it's boring or gross uh but I will just say that it's a whole thing and it's <laughs> sensory involved also. Um, so it, I, I've especially been feeling like I need a little like refuge um, from that. And also Hudson is talking, which is like so cute. Like he talks um, and he says what he wants and he says what he doesn't want and just talks about things. You know, he lately he really likes talking about neighbors and what neighbors do, just like what other people do with their lives, which is really cute. Like, oh, oh, we're walking, but neighbor is singing. And I'm like, yep, or we're walking, but those neighbors are swimming. And I'm like, yep. Uh, but anyway, because the talking is really great, but it like really never stops. So um, it feels like my eyes don't get a break. My ears don't get a break. My mouth like no one gets nothing gets a break in my senses so the other day when Evan got home from work I was like I think I just like need to go upstairs and practice and I turned out all the lights I like put headphones in my ears I listened to music and I just like basically rolled around on my yoga mat <laughs> and I felt it was like probably 30 minutes I felt so much better after um and it would be a case where you know I was feeling like a little stressed and overwhelmed so maybe you know Evan gets home and we're like oh let's have a beer on the porch or like maybe I'll have a glass of wine. Uh, but it was nice to know that there's like other ways of dull of calming your senses down than dulling them. Do you know what I mean? Not that that's not, you know, sometimes that's what, what the doctor orders too, but like not that time. Anyway, it was nice to realize there's like other ways of finding that like sensory quiet. Um, and I, yeah, so I've been, been just like, you know, rolling around in the dark with headphones in my ears, basically. <laughs> in my yoga practice lately um, and that reminded me a lot of Valerie Starr which is the interview I'm redoing today uh, because she talks about that a lot and she talks about how she wakes up really really early to do her practice um, and uh, needs that time alone in her room to herself uh, and that a lot of the time it's in the dark or you know even when she runs she does it in the dark um, another thing about that Valerie Star interview I really liked is I've talked to a lot of other mom yogis and they're all like, oh yeah, I involved my kid in my practice. And Valerie was pretty clear in the interview that like her practice was hers. Like, of course, you know, Everett, her son knows what she does and like they do yoga together, but like her morning practice is her morning practice. Uh, and I really appreciated that because 
I've had, you know, I've had other guests say like, no, 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 like your kid should be involved the whole time. And for me personally, like I just need the time to myself. Um, and as much as I want Hudson to have a yoga practice, like, and he can see me do it, like him being involved in it is just, it's not the same as being by myself. Like one of the things I really like, and I think what really uh, nourishes me about the yoga and meditation practice is, is that it's a solo activity, right? That it's solitary. And, you know, it's just not the same with a two-year-old. So, like, if I do yoga with him, I think of it as his yoga practice. Like, mine needs to be separate. Um, and I really liked it that Valerie was, like, super honest about that in her interview, right? Like, she's, like, she just wakes up really early, so she gets that time. Um, but I am in my closet right now, and it's pretty hot in here. So I'm just going to play this interview with Valerie and stop babbling. So here is Valerie Starr. So here is Valerie. Welcome, Valerie. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. Of course. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, I live in Portland right now, Portland, Oregon. I was born in the Bay Area. I grew up in like Cupertino, Santa Clara area. And um, previous to living in Portland, I was in San Francisco for 12 years. Um, maybe longer, I don't know, but that's where we met. And um, yeah, loved it there. And um, I started practicing, um, I think, practicing yoga in high school. Um, I had I had these VHS tapes that Rodney Yee did. Like there was an AM tape and a PM tape. And before I kind of, even understood what yoga was. I, I started doing his tapes and um, uh, really uh, started looking for it in other ways too, like an actual class. So um, in high school, I started taking yoga classes at the community center and um, and I got into it there and, and then had a huge separation from it for many, many years. Um, and then it was traveling through Southeast Asia um, in Bali. Uh, I took a yoga class and like knew in that second or like knew in that class that teaching yoga was something that I wanted to pursue. And so came back from traveling and just dove 100% into learning how to teach. And, and first I just took as many classes as I could, um, at Laughing Lotus and, um, was searching for teacher training. And, uh, I ended up doing a teacher training through Purusha first, which is in San Francisco. Um, and really loved what I learned from that and, uh, started teaching right away. Like, after my 200 hour ended, like I started teaching and uh, it was really hard. It's hard to go from like being a practitioner, thinking that things are one way and then turning the corner and being on the other side and teaching. It's like not the same, right? Like it's not the same. <laughs> Um, so I started teaching and knew I needed a little bit more support. So I, I did the 200 hour at Laughing Lotus there in San Francisco simultaneously 
while teaching and that that seemed to work but yeah I think that was 12 years ago I'm teaching 12 years now wow insane okay I have so many questions about that but the first one is okay so when I was in high school, it would not have been my inclination <laughs> to pick up a Rodney Yee tape. I think I was like very into a kickboxing video when I was in high school. <laughs> so like, um, I forget the name. I, we don't need to go down that road. But anyway, what? Yeah. Um, what do you? Tybo. Was it Tybo? It was Tybo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, hopefully, we'll have that guy on the show someday. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I guess. So what do you think it was about yoga that drew you in? Because it's kind of a strange thing for like a 15 or 16 year old to be into. Yeah, I don't know. I think I've always just been kind of a seeker, someone that wants to understand more and like always wants to know more details of things and going in. And I was, you know, wrestling with my own demons as we do when we're in high school and uh, thinking I don't know. I don't even know. Um, something maybe about his like sereneness, the way he is, the way he looks drew me into it. And it's like, maybe that's the answer for me. Like, maybe this is the thing that's going to like help calm my mind. And so I would do the tapes all the time. Um, yeah. Until they wore out and no more Rodney tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Yeah. I have no idea. That's a great question. And do you, do you like remember noticing an effect as a teenager? Like I was so unaware at that age. That's why I ask. Like, do you remember being like, oh, this is doing something? I think so. I think initially it was annoying to me. You know how yoga is when you first start. It's like I was very much, um, you know, having body issues at that age. And I think when you start a practice, it can rev up those things a little bit because you're so um, conscious about your unconsciousness or you're so um, wrapped up on how it looks or how it feels. And it's not about, it's a different practice, you know, as you, as you um, have a relationship with it. But at first it was um, really about the body and it, it was hard. Um, I think over time I started to feel that and that's what drew me in. Like knowing that it will get you somewhere or like, you know, putting the work in, I feel like I have a faint memory of that. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Uh, and then the other thing uh, that you said, which I, I think is really interesting because people come to teaching from all different ways, but you sort of got in back into yoga knowing you wanted to be a teacher, which is an interesting way to get into it. So mm-hmm. from the beginning, were you um, both like, were you aware of the way a class was crafted from the beginning because you wanted to be a teacher or is that, that came in training? You're shaking your head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You can't hear me when I, <laughs> I have to verbalize. <laughs> Um, no, I had no idea, no clue. And for some reason, like I thought that once you become a teacher, it's like this download that comes into your brain and you're just like channeling through, you know, I had no idea the back end work that goes into and the knowledge and the time 
that goes into being comfortable enough to speak in front of people, you know? And I think that's a lot of it is like, whoa, being comfortable, like public speaking while trying to hold a sequence and see people's bodies and, you know, weave in Dharma, if that's a part of it and go somewhere with the class and be there present with them at the same time while you're trying to hold all these pieces. Like you don't know that you have no idea because on the receiving end, you're like, this person just like, it's coming out. Right. Right. The better a teacher is, the easier it seems like. Right. And the more simple yeah. they become, which is crazy too, right? That whole thing when you just start teaching and you're just like spouting out every single cue. Yeah. Um, and it's like you're in warrior two for like five minutes. Right? <laughs> <Just> little detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so what is your practice like these days? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My practice, like these days, I feel like it varies so much. Um, Right now, I've kind of caught a wave of motivation and energy and creativity that I've been writing. Um, I'll speak to that in a second. But I feel like, you know, a couple weeks ago when we were in election time, I was like, I couldn't do anything. Like, I'd find myself in like, a sphinx pose for like five minutes staring out into space where it's just like, you can really feel how um, what's going on globally has an effect internally. And, you know, what's going on outside with the weather has so much of effect. Um, But I feel like I've kind of come out of that wave right now and kind of on an upswing, maybe like that was the time of like, I don't know, being in a cocoon and kind of gathering that energy. But the last couple of weeks have have been really um, energetic. And for the most part, I think what I've been experiencing in my own practice is um, what I mentioned when we were talking is that um, there's that component that's missing from not teaching public classes. There's that um, exchange of energy with students and and the teacher that's missing. Um, And so it's felt necessary to try and find that creativity and that connection inside of myself. And I think that comes through in in different ways, right? Sometimes I'm practicing yoga. Sometimes I'm like dancing. (laughs) Sometimes it's, I need to run as hard as I can and just try and, you know, get the energy flowing. Um, But I think all in all, it it comes back to um, what your spirit needs, right? Every morning is going to be different. Uh, The ritual you need to do to find that sense of spirit of creativity. Uh, We don't know what, you know, every day is so completely feels so different. And um, so I just right now I wake up, I go make coffee, I come up to this triangle room, and I try and figure out what the hell I can do to try and go inside to try and connect to my spirit to try and find that sense of creativity. I think really what what um, 
what my job, I guess, quote unquote job is, is like, I've heard so much from people that, you know, with a change of jobs, everyone's job is kind of shifted. Like, you know, we're teaching yoga through, through a screen now that element of creativity is kind of missing. And so, yeah, it feels necessary to cultivate that inside. And, and I usually practice whatever I'm doing in the dark. I have this like need to not be connected to whatever this form is, you know, so I'll wake up, I'll turn off the lights, I'll come in here and I'll just like start to move. And sometimes it's like on the floor, like Jason said on, in, in the podcast, I listened to that. Um, sometimes it's rolling around the floor. Sometimes I'm like, listening to electronic music and I'm just like dancing my ass off. And sometimes it's just like, I can't do anything or like, I need to like, I don't know, do tarot or something, but how can I pull this outside of me? Right. How can I like pull whatever energy is inside um, and bring it to people that might feel like their sense of, of energy and, and creativity needs to be lit up a little bit more. That's interesting about uh, practicing in the dark. Was that, is that new or was that before Zoom times? <laughs> that was, this always been kind of my practice, huh. like practicing in the dark. I have no idea what it's about, but it's, I think, honestly, like, there was a while that I was taking these Ashtanga classes in San Francisco at 6 a.m. And she would have us practice in the dark. And I loved it. Like something about it took it from the form, from the body and put it into spirit. And the teacher once said we were in some kind of Navasana variation. And she was like, okay, now look up. Don't look at your body look up, look up at spirit. And I think that kind of cracked my whole world open of like, don't make it about the form, make it about the spirit. Don't look at what your body's doing. Look away so you can feel what's happening. And I think I get that with the lights off in the darkness. Like this morning I went running in the dark like this is my favorite thing. No one's around. There's no, um, there's no like chatter from the day happening in your head. You don't have to navigate through any issues. It's like this sense of freedom and space that you can have this container to move from almost like a, a deprivation tank, a sensory deprivation mm-hmm. tank. Have you ever done that? You know? Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I, I can totally see that. I think I, and I've always like not enjoyed classes as much with uh, mirrors. I know some people really, I think there is a calming way to like get very into the form. I think that can also calm the mind. But for me personally, I have the same thing. I like to like feel it from the inside and seeing it sort of, uh, it's too much. Like I want to, <laughs> I can't do both at once. And I'd prefer to see it from the inside. Um. And then the, so this comes up a lot on this podcast already. We're only on what this episode six, um, but how, how do you know what it is you need to, to, because there are so many different, you know, avenues for um, sort of finding that energy when you wake up, how do you know? 
Mm. I think thinking, like being okay with thinking about it first as like the first layer um, and then kind of deciding what that thinking is telling you and maybe going into like whatever emotion is showing up from that thinking, right? Using thinking as the precursor to emotion or feeling. And sometimes you just have to start moving to know that you don't want to move, you know, like sometimes it's like, oh, that's not going to work. I've done that with running where I'll run like for six minutes and I'm like walking home. Forget it. This is not, not today. (laughs) Exactly. Like sometimes you have to like know what's not going to work to feel what is going to work. So I, yeah. So I know you're like busy, like we all are, you know, you have a lot going on. Um, Do you, so do you like plan like this day I'm going to run and this day I'm going to do yoga and this day I'm going to do this or Kind of. I wake up at like four because it's like I make that space for whatever needs to happen, you know, because Everett, my son, who's going to wake up probably at 730, um, I need to know that I have that personal space. Without that, it's like everything feels like it falls apart in a way like that personal space in the morning is everything and so like I make sure that whatever needs to happen I have that space and sometimes I'm not even practicing at all I'm like working on schoolwork or something you know but just to like make sure that there's that space and also I don't know like I think it's important to find out what time of day your creativity comes in you know like for me it's like 4 a.m when it's dark out that's when that's when my spirit wants to show up like the afternoon or like five o'clock uh-uh like not happening and it's so different for everyone too you know I'm I'm just a morning person yeah yeah um so I honestly like it's like this ball of energy that I feel like I'm just working with and trying to feel through so always send salutations I know me and you feel the same about yes. sun salutations. Like that's happening regardless. Um, I'll start out with, I don't know, warm up, like cat cow, just like closing my eyes and trying to direct where tension is in my body. So it's almost like a detective looking for tension. And I think that's kind of what guides my practice too, is like, where where is my body speaking to me and how can I get into that place no matter what it, it looks like you know like maybe it is this like structured warrior one or warrior two or maybe it's like not even like quote-unquote yoga it's like where's the tension where can I access it and so I'll start moving through that um, it's more intuitive than anything yeah. Do you think that intuition took you time? Like, did that come naturally or did that take you some time to build? It was definitely not natural. Like, it did not come naturally. I think, you know, having structure and knowing form first, going through trainings and figuring out what works um, and doing things over and over and over and over and over 
then you can kind of develop that sense of intuition and go with it. You know, at, I think at first it, it's like you need to be guided in a way. You need to learn from, from someone and then take that and make it your own. Okay. So I know this is a hard question um, because they're all like our, our, our babies, but just right now, if you had to say your favorite pose right this second, what yeah. would you say? Oh, that's so easy. <laughs> I feel like it's forever and always going to be Proserita. <laughs> okay. I thought you might say triangle, but it's kind of triangles just half of Proserita anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like you're halfway there, but like to be able to like have your body in a shape where you can pour energy down into your legs and just let your upper body surrender and all the creativity, like the movements that you can make with inside, inside of that. I just, I can't get enough. I mean, you could do it upside down. You could do it in a headstand, handstand, right side up. Oh yeah. It's endless. In Navasana, you could do it like on the ground. (laughs) You could do half of it, triangle. Yeah. I, um, postpartum for some reason, I think I probably psychologically, my body was like, we don't want to do that again. So I could not do prostrita. My legs were like, we, we are going to, I was like, eagle pose only. My body was like, let's keep everything tight. (laughs) Yeah. And I think too, your sense of gravity gets so thrown off from being pregnant. It's like, you have this mass in front of you. (laughs) That's like, however, you know, like for me, it was like 60 pounds. Like, and then to not have that anymore, it's like, where's the equilibrium? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't do press read it, I think, until I was like seven or eight months postpartum. And then finally I could do it. And I was like, oh, thank God, I've missed you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like everything. Yeah, so mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Um, and then let's suppose that you only do if someone else is teaching you. Hmm. Maybe that's a great question. I I try and push myself into the things that I don't want to do. Like eagle pose is probably one of them. Same. Um. Yeah. I'm like, oh, gotta do it though. Sometimes it's like gotta do the things you don't want to do because now it's up to us. We have to do it. No one's telling <laughs> us. You know. Um. Yeah. Eagle pose. Warrior three especially standing on my left leg. Like, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Those are the two. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I could, I could see those. Um, is there a pose you're like working on right now that you're hoping? Or- um, I think I'm just trying to like see what's possible right now. Um, trying to like let myself fall as much as I need to like I don't know do harder do harder like arm balances and I mean I feel like the one that I'm always trying to like get to is handstand you know that one is like how do people do handstand (laughs) my question is how do people reliably do handstand how can they just like in the middle of the room I know I'm not going to hit anyone just like yeah I mean I can I can 
I'm putting up quotes. I can do handstand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if a wall is there, like yeah. if a wall is there, or some days I can do it for one second, or <laughs> no, I would. Yeah, handstand is a for and and for some reason that one like some challenging arm balances I find like not fun to work on, but I always think handstands at least also fun. That's true. Yeah. Because if you do have that moment where you're holding it for like a second, it's so like surprising. And so it brings so much joy too. Yeah. And like empower, like there's a feeling, the feeling of having all of your weight on your hands. Like there's something about it that's so empowering. Like, oh, I can hold my whole self. Yeah. I'm completely inverted. Like there's not anything in any other direction. It's like straight up and down mm-hmm. standing on your hands. Yeah. Uh, like, so when you were feeling uh, like having a hard time during election time, I had the same thing. Uh, how do you like get yourself to get back inspired? Like, how do you get yourself to go upstairs at 4am? Um, I think it's not even an option. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not an option. Uh, you know, like the kid is going to wake up. <laughs> and this is the time that you have to like make sure that your head is on straight. There's no other option. Um, and it's just such a habit, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, if you teach yourself to do it, if you're going to train your body to do something, you do that thing. Um, there's a book by Murakami. I don't know if you've read it. It's his memoir on running. Have you read it at all? I haven't read it. No. It's really good. It's super small. And he talks about like he wanted to run for six miles every day. And he's like, so if I want to run six miles every day, I have to run six miles every day. Like (laughs) that is the thing I have to train my body to do. I can't train my body to run six miles every day by not doing it, by not going outside and running. (laughs) I have to like run six miles a day. And I think my mind kind of goes there. It's like, I want to do this thing. I'm committed to it. It's going to happen. So you know, I think I have that kind of mindset. How did you find what the thing is? So like you head upstairs and is you just going upstairs in the dark at 4am? Is that, that counts as your practice? Or is there like a certain, does something have to happen for you to say like, okay, I practice today. And if so, what is that thing? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think this pandemic has been really interesting for kind of dissolving those lines. Whereas before I had very hard parameters of what practice needed to be and what it needed to look like, you know, like a lot of us went through training and it's like, this is the sequence you have to go through in order to get to the end. And when you get to the end, that's your practice. Mm -hmm. And this pandemic has been interesting in the way of like making it okay for not doing that, like for being imperfect for, I mean, I say that loosely imperfect because, you know, it's not imperfection. It's being more with what is, um, now I just kind of know when it's done. I know, um, I know more what I need now, I think, because 
I am teaching more of myself, of my practice. What I do here on the mat is what I'm teaching. And so um, I think there's been more of an awareness in my own body that tells me when enough is enough because of it, which is like a silver lining, I guess. You know, I feel more in tune with um, my own needs in that way because I am so much teaching what I'm practicing. Mm. Yeah. If you had to say, like, if someone asked you, like, what has, or I guess I'm asking you, um, yeah. <laughs> what, what are the things that your home practice has given you? Hmm. The things my home practice has given me. Because you're, I mean, you're so committed. Okay. Space. I think that's the big one. Internal space. Um, it's given me not determination, but um, what would the word be for, for like tapas? What would it, Discipline? What would that word be? Discipline. That's <laughs> the one. Yes. It's given me discipline and reliance on something it's like I know everything's falling apart in some ways but I know that's there no matter what's happening whatever's crumbling it's like there's the practice there and there's um there's yourself to be met there um yeah, it's given me so much. I it's I mean honestly it saved my life for one, for maybe for like 10. I think that was like point number 10. Um yeah, I feel like it saved my life in so many ways. Yeah. It saved my mind. <laughs> um and then, I, you know, there keeps being this uh, theme that's coming back for a lot of yogis I've chatted with where they have this other um, aerobic practice. Like uh, J- Jason in episode two had cycling. Both of us like to run. Like, what do you think that's about? <laughs> <sighs> okay. You know what? I was actually thinking about that recently. I think it's because when you start practicing yoga, there's so much to be learned and it's so much about the body, right? You're dealing with like, Oh, this is uncomfortable. Oh, this like doesn't feel quote unquote right in my body right now. Um, and so it is very body centered. And I think once the, the practice, you get more and more into a relationship with it, it becomes less about the body, right? It becomes a breathe more of a breathing practice. After that, it becomes more of like a place for your mind to go because it's so familiar in the shape and it's so familiar with the breath and the shape. And I think it gets to a point that you're in this like space of your mind that you're not as connected to the physical form in a way. And so like that other component, like it, I don't know, it, it seems like it comes to a peak and then you need that physical component to learn from in a different way. You know, like it's the same thing with, with running too. It's like, at first it sucks. You're like, I can't breathe. This hurts. I'm so sore. (laughs) And then that goes away and then it becomes a breathing practice. And then it becomes a mental, emotional practice. You know, the koshas 
And then it's this cycle, I think, that we that we as humans need to go through on different levels, if that's their personality. Yeah, that that makes sense. And I would say like that makes sense because also then after you run a lot, you come back to your practice and the practice feels different, which wakes you up in a different way. Yeah. And then because totally. you did your yoga practice, running feels different, which wakes you up in a different way. So they sort of Yeah. Keep you awake. They need each other in a way. And yeah, it's like so many people like there's a complementary relationship with some other physical practice. And I, I, I listened to you with Jason's podcast and how you're talking about how what you do on the mat is so informed by your running practice. Oh my God, totally. <laughs> so much. Whatever else you're doing is like, that's going to show up on the mat too. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think there's something to it too, where like your, I think because a yoga practice teaches you not to identify with discomfort in the body then when you run, because running, a big part of it is just being kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> like, if you could, most of run, like, for me, running, a lot of it, I'm like, I'd rather just walk after a while. <laughs> but I don't, yeah. because I get used to being uncomfortable. And then it feels sort of good to be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, yeah. So I wonder if it's something like that, where the yoga practice teaches you that being uncomfortable is okay, maybe. I think so. And you know what I was thinking too, when I was running today, it's like meditation in a different way. Like when you're meditating and you're sitting, you're trying to deal with that discomfort in your body of sitting and in your mind. And it, it you know, going and listening inside doesn't have to be sitting. Um, it can be being with the discomfort of running and pushing yourself like, um, did you read that book by David Goggins? Can't hurt me at all. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. Um, I won't go into too many details, but he's a Navy SEAL and he is an extreme athlete, like does these like 100, 150 mile runs, like in Death Valley, like very extreme. And he's all about pushing yourself pushing your, your limits inside in your mental limits to like go further inside your head. And I think on some kind of level, it's like, it's, you know, it's the opposite of sitting, but it's the same. Mm -hmm. You're pushing your limits physically, whether it's moving or sitting to, to get to this quiet place inside because your mind is so like, when you're trying to like go past a a barrier or a boundary. Definitely. That reminds me, there's something like, I think like 90, it's a very high percentage of people that finish marathons. And I think it's because it is, it's mental, right? Like it's like, um, oh, well, I signed up for this. There's literally no barrier. All the time I have is you know, I have time to do this marathon. I've set aside time. So it, it's, it's just, it's in your head, whether or not you could run 26 miles. And totally. I don't want to talk, for some reason, I'm talking a lot about giving birth today, but I will say <laughs> after I gave birth, I was like, I could run a marathon. Like, yeah, if I can do oh that. God. That was really unpleasant. I could, running seems far less unpleasant. <laughs> the bar is totally different. You're like, I can do 
anything. <laughs> yeah. it, you know what? There's, have you heard of that marathon in New York where they run around the same city block for 300 miles? No. Yeah. It's, I'll have to look it up. There's a documentary on it, um, but it's a spiritual practice. It's all, of, it's all centered around a spiritual practice. And so people will take months off of work and train. And then essentially you're running around the same city block for a month, the same block. Wow. Like, where does your mind go? Like, <laughs> you know, like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. You know, that's the same as like going and like going into a cave and like sitting by yourself. It's, I, I feel like it's the same kind of place that you're trying to access inside. You're trying to break through these barriers physically being still or in movement to crack open whatever's inside. And I think that's the same thing with like practicing in the dark or like whatever. It's like, how can I crack? How can I like get past whatever this shell is that my body wants to create every single day? You know, it's like the process of like cracking open every day and, and with things being so challenging, it's like cracking those layers over and over. How can we crack them? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so much <laughs> to think about. That documentary. I know. <laughs> I, you'll love it. It's totally something you'd love. I will. And I will put it in the show notes as well. So. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Show notes. Show notes. <laughs> like a real podcaster. Um, well, Valerie, this has been so great. Thank you so much for chatting. Um, and um, I know people are going to want to take your class after this. So where can we find you? Um, I am teaching through Love Hive right now. There's an online really awesome um, website that has live classes and also recorded classes on there. Um, so there's that. And then I'm also teaching a Zoom class on Sundays at 930. And <clears throat> you can find that on my website, Valerie Star Yoga, and then social media, you know. Yeah, we'll put all those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Valerie. Aww, thanks, Rebecca. <laughs> well, folks, we did it played the first rerun ever on homebodies and you were here to listen so i appreciate that and thank you again to valerie star for uh coming on the show she's actually teaching in person now and all of that information is on her website which is valerie star yoga and i will also put it in the show notes so you can find it if you happen to be in portland and you want to check out her classes which i do highly recommend um, so at this portion of the podcast, I've just been talking about like kind of like wellness trends that I've been trying out or that I've tried out before. Um, that And so far, I've only done ones that I'm like really into that have been really helpful to me. But I was thinking today, like maybe it would be interesting to also do things I've tried that don't work for me. Just, I don't know, because sometimes it's nice to know that like not every wellness trend works for everyone. So this is a big one. And I I really hope that you're prepared for this. It's it's humiliating to to admit as somebody who is very interested in wellness and very interested in just sort of the whole yogi lifestyle. Um, I don't like smoothies, but they just, they don't work for me guys. Like 
I tried, I've tried them so many times in the summer, in the winter, I've added more fat, I've added more protein, I've added, you know, all of it. I put oats in there to try it, like nothing. Like basically what happens is I make this smoothie, usually it makes, somehow makes the biggest mess in my kitchen that nothing else can make a mess like a smoothie. Like people are like, oh, it's so easy. It's like, no, the blender gets messy, blender stuff gets everywhere. Like it makes a mess. Like I, it's okay that you like a smoothie, but don't lie to yourself and say it doesn't make a mess. Like it definitely makes a mess. Anyway, like, I don't know. I just feel like dinner makes, when I make dinner, it's less of a mess than when I make a smoothie, but maybe, I mean, it seems like maybe I'm doing it wrong. So write in if there's something I'm doing wrong. Anyway, bit, tried smoothies every kind of way. Basically what happens is I make it, it tastes like fine. You know, it's not like delicious, like it's fine. I drink the whole thing. Uh, then I usually get like a weird kind of like sinking feeling in my stomach, not like emotionally sinking, but just like kind of like it like sloshes around in my stomach. Don't and I don't enjoy that feeling. And then usually the sloshing goes away and like an hour later, I'm hungry, maybe two hours later and I want to eat food and I end up like eating a whole meal, even though smoothie is supposed to be a meal. And I don't know, maybe that's psychological, like maybe I need to chew for me, like I need to chew to like make it feel like food because like the amount of shit. I'm sorry, the amount of stuff I put in a smoothie, if I ate that just like, you know, with my hands on a plate or with a fork, if I was feeling civilized, like that, that would fill me up. Like I would be full. But for some reason, when it's in a smoothie, like an hour later, I'm hungry. So I think maybe I need the chewing. And then people are like, oh, we'll use a spoon and put toppings on top. And then at a certain point, it's like, what are we even doing anymore? This has become a bowl of cereal for me with the smoothie as the base because I put so many crunchy things on top. And then, I don't know. Yeah, I just like, also, I don't really like that sensation of like the chewing the smoothie. I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. So here's my permission to you that if a wellness run doesn't work, it's totally fine. Like, it's okay. Like, I just don't eat some, And like, you know, I'll see an article on, you know, one of those like kind of silly sites like Mind Body Green and I'm like, back to smoothies and then I try it and the same thing happens every single time so I'm not saying that like I won't try again I'm just saying like it has never worked for me not even once so I'm gonna end you there um hey if you have a wellness trend that's worked or not worked for you let me know I would like I'd really honestly love to hear about it and we can talk about it on the podcast or we can just talk about it in private because like I love weird health trends all right well um happy practicing and next week we will be here with a fresh interview so look for that um i have some really exciting guests in the pipeline so get excited september is going to be a good month at home bodies and happy practicing thanks have a good week bye